Welcome to Spinning Out. I'm your host, Josh Robbins. This is a podcast where we talk to guests about their favorite albums. Today we're talking with Keith Ulrey of the band Pogo. We talked about Dag Nasty's 1987 album, Wig Out at Danko's, and the history of the band, and its many reunions. We also chat about Keith's record label, New Granada, and his record store, Microgroup. Which, if you're ever in the Tampa area, please check it out. Don't worry. We also talk about the history of Pogo, their reunion, and upcoming album out later this year on Spartan Records. If you like what we do on the main feed, then please check out our Patreon. That's patreon.com slash spinningoutpod. My co-host Sarah and I, we talk about records we liked a lot when we were younger, and we revisit them as much older and jaded individuals. Subscribe for as little as $1 a month and get an exclusive episode every week. It really sincerely helps us keep doing what we're doing, and we super appreciate your support. So check that out. Also, simply got to mention it. Uh, please just check out your local, you know, abortion access funds. Uh, you can go to donationsforabortion.com. You know, check out, like I said, just like local abortion funds. Uh, email them and see where the best place to send money. Uh, you know, all of them could use your help right now. If you have friends that, you know, need your support, like just reach out to them. It's super important right now. It's just, it's very tough to talk about and you know we'll see where everything goes but you know things really honestly aren't looking good um so you know that i think the best thing you can do right now is just supporting those abortion access funds once again go to donationsforabortion.com and your money will you know be very much needed in the coming months and dare i say years as we had to wherever we're going with this country um so you know you know, down to what the issue is at hand, uh, you know, Roe v. Wade needs to be codified. And, you know, just also just like make sure you're telling. Sometimes it feels like you're preaching to the choir. And I think it's sincerely important to kind of know where your friends stand on this issue. And, you know, they, all we've been fed is just, you know, go vote, you know, but like what you can really do is like help locally, help you know, in your area and also like speak out, you know, like truly speak out. You know, I know it's easy to just like share an infographic, but, you know, put your money there. And I know I'm going to donate to those abortion access funds and uh, they can sincerely use it. But all right. So I know that this is, you know, a transition I'll have to make into the pod, but no more delays. You know, let's chat with Keith at an amazing chat. So let's get to it. Hey Keith, how's it going? It's going great. I just uh, got off work and uh, rushed home, and I'm very excited to have this conversation with you. Yeah, and so okay, so you run a record store. You own a record store. I do, and, and run it. So <laughs> yeah, you run it, and yeah. Um, so you just so you ran like right home and did it. So you said you closed at like seven, right? I did. Yeah, that's pretty quick. I don't think. I don't think I would have said yes to something like that, but I appreciate you doing. That. Well, I, luckily the shop is literally three blocks from my house. Uh, okay. Like I, I drive, even though I could walk there just because sometimes I need my car for other things. Uh, and so I'm literally like, I close at seven and I can be home after closing the shop at like 10 after. Hmm, and, yeah. and I mean, in my house, you know what I mean? Like there's no right. commute at all. So I still had 20 minutes to eat a snack and uh, relax oh, wow. a little bit. 
Okay, then I don't feel so bad. Nah, we're good, right. man. Okay, so today we are talking about Dag Nasty's second album, Wig Out at Denko's, that came out in 1987 on Discord Records. Yeah. And what I'll ask is, when was the first time you ever listened to Dag Nasty or this record? So... I'm pretty old. I'll be 51 in October. So I started getting into punk rock in the mid to late 80s, like 86, mm -hmm. 87. Uh, and so uh, as far as the first time I heard Dag Nasty, to be honest with you, I, I don't know if it was Can I Say or Wig Out. But and it was probably at the same time, just because, you know, you're just you're just being immersed and friends are giving you tapes. And you know what I'm saying? And you're yeah. hanging out with people. But it was definitely in. um probably 1987, like the year Wig Out came out, uh, was when I first um, at least became aware of like, oh, okay, this is a thing. This is the guitarist from Minor Threat, or he was in Minor Threat. You know what I mean? Like putting kind of stuff yeah. together more than just, oh, that's a cool tape. I like that. Like putting together the, oh, this is a a, an, a creative entity and an outfit. You know what I mean? So I'd yeah. say probably, probably 87, like right when Wig Out came out. And what type <laughs> of punk do you feel like you were getting into in like the mid 80s did it feel like it had a direction or no i mean because i was um i mean i grew up just listening to the radio so i liked pop and top 40 and you know what i mean and i kind of gravitated to the more new wavy side of pop you know like minute work and flock of seagulls and the police and stuff like that and i also grew up in the church southern baptist so i listened to a lot okay. of christian rock a ton of christian rock uh, but then at the age of 14 is when I really started diving into different kinds of music. Um, I, I went through like a hair metal phase, not even cool, like Metallica, like hair metal, like Dokken and stuff like that. Oh, okay. Um, well, I, I count that as cool, but. <laughs> okay, know. that's cool. I know. And uh, so then uh, some friends of mine were getting into punk rock and stuff. And honestly, like, it, it, I can tell you what my transitional record was, where somebody said, hey, check this out. And they handed me a tape of dead milkman big lizard in my backyard okay and that yeah. was kind of a stepping stone and i've talked to so many people my age where they say that that was a stepping stone record for them because it's a goofy funny record but it's also it's it's punk rock you know what i mean and yeah. so from there i just i don't know i just kind of dove in um to a lot of the discord stuff you know especially the minor threat and embrace and uh uh, Dagnasty, of course, Fugazi was still a year or two away from becoming more mainstream or at least being more to the public, you know? Yeah. Um, but you know, stuff like that, soul side, a lot of discord stuff, a lot of the, um, by the early nineties, you know, way into the, the lookout stuff, you know, mm -hmm. yeah. uh, it's early Sam, I am and green day and stuff like that. But I, I definitely liked more melodic, you know, hardcore, um, like embrace and rights of spring and stuff like that while i also you know at the time as a teenager identified as straight edge so i did also like uniform choice and youth of today and gorilla biscuits and stuff like that but even some of that stuff like i didn't immerse myself in this in the straight edge music because like i said i, I hate to keep coming back to melody but you know th there is melody in those records you know what i mean especially mm -hmm. gorilla biscuits and uniform choice and stuff like that so it, it I, I kind of tended to lean more towards mid-tempo punk and hardcore, you know? Um, and that's why Dag Nasty was so appealing to me because it was like intense lyrically and musically, but it was also extremely palpable. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. Yeah. I feel like I've always had a brain that 
drew, uh, drew me toward liking kind of melodic things really across the spectrum of most music, you know? Yeah. But yeah, so <clears throat> I didn't have like a young experience with listening to Dag Nasty. I feel like I found it like when I got into, it's probably like college age or like sure. right at, you yeah. know, it was uh, for, you know, around the time there were just so many like file sharing sites, you know, yeah. that was like a big thing. And then it, it felt like that was like an era of like a resurgence of Dag Nasty around that time or just it was just easy to download things because I'm not sure how available a lot of the Dag Nasty stuff was yeah. or maybe I'm wrong and Discord always kept it in print. Well, yeah. in the early 90s, they put out the two for one CD that had Can I yeah. Say and Wig Out on. And that really um, reintroduced them, even though, even though, even though Wig Out was only, you know, three, four, five years before that, that, that dual CD in the 90s really, um, I have several friends, close friends that are just a few years younger than me, where that, that two for CD was their introduction into Dagnasty. So it's quite possible. Same for you. You just didn't maybe didn't realize it, you know. Yeah, I mean, I think the thing I downloaded <laughs> was essentially the two four CD digitally. Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. So yeah, it was like you know, I heard "Can I Say," and then it didn't feel like I. Th I think I might have kind of like spent more time with that, and then mm -hmm. kind of just moved on, like on my iPod or like a yeah. burn CD. And "Can I Say" definitely like, you know, kind of changed things for mm -hmm. me. Like I felt like I was kind of like getting back into punk after like being into like metalcore yeah you know sure. uh, yeah. and so it was just it was the time you know and so it was just one of those things where it's like oh this is what i've been kind of looking for like something that's you know it's like it feels like pop punk in a way you know or at least it's yeah. kind of a backwards thing i feel like pop punk kind of like sure. a was a response <clears throat> to things like this but it was like it felt more grown up and it felt like it was like less punk in like a good way than a lot of the discord stuff that was just like, you know minor threat you yeah know? exactly like but yeah it's an interesting thing so you so you grew up in florida born and raised in tampa i've never okay. lived anywhere else yeah what do you feel like the scene was I, I guess what i'm thinking the scene was was i assume like where i live in charlotte and where i grew up in wilmington you kind of have to be into everything because it's like the scenes aren't super big or, or was that right. not the case with Tampa? No, it was, I mean, you know, things were definitely, I mean, you definitely had people that were just into hardcore and just into yeah. punk rock, but for, for the most part, you know, growing up, getting into the scene, like I said, in the, in the, in the mid to late eighties and then through the nineties, tastes were varied. You know what I mean? Like, you know, people would go to or go see or listen to gorilla biscuits and then the next week go to a show and go see i don't know lisa loeb you know what i mean I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm exaggerating to you know a little bit but not too far off you know what i mean like people just kind of liked a little of everything and of course like i said i had friends and people that i knew that, that were very strict punks like they don't listen to that or they don't listen to that or anything on the radio is bad and anything you know on a major label is bad but no, for the most part, Tampa, especially in the early to mid nineties, was very versatile. Very versatile. Mm. Yeah. You know, especially with local shows, you know, like a like a like a pop band like us, like Pogo, here we are doing our velocity girl-esque pop when we first started. And we would play with, you know, Reversal of Man and all these like screamo hardcore mm -hmm. bands. And and nobody batted an eye. That's just what was happening. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, because 
Yeah, because Pogo, uh, the original run was, what, 94 to 98. So that would have been definitely like the heyday for kind of, I don't want to say, I, I wanted to say like first wave of <laughs> Screamo, but then it's like we can, you know, I feel like there was like a, where it became like a thing and then that actually went into, I feel like I'm splitting hairs on what I view as like yeah, Screamo. Sure, right. <laughs> so then it's, well, I think yeah. now that the, the, the new cultural term for the, early to mid 90s screamo like your reversal of mans and portraits of past is scrams have you heard that yeah. term before yeah yeah i don't like it but at least it kind of lets somebody know like exactly pigeonhole what area you're talking about yeah because I, I almost like call that first wave because i don't think that you could call i don't know let's say rights of spring it's yeah. like none of those bands or even dag nasty it's like Dagnasty wouldn't have called themselves emo. Core. No, it's like they no. were just, it, and it's like the term was around, but it was scoffed at. Yeah, you know. So yeah. I feel like, you know, there were certain things that feel like godfathers of screamo, mm -hmm. but it's like the term kind of started being like a thing. Yeah, I guess, and like kind of the early to mid nineties, and then really in the later nineties, like with Sasha and yes, you know, Joshua Fair for battle, but reversal exactly. man and. I believe like combat wounded veteran, yep. they would have been around that time too. hundred percent. So yeah. So yeah, that is funny to think, but I get that feeling. I mean, like when even my current band, that's been a long running band, when we started playing, it was like, we would play with like shitstorm. you mm -hmm. know, it was like, you just kind of viewed yourself as a punk band Yeah. in quotes For sure. and you just kind of played with other punk bands, you know? Yeah. It's hard, it's hard to kind of define, like, what type of music it is. I always feel like it's, like, when people are, like, what music do you like? And you're, like, punk. But then it's, like, I don't know if anything I like <laughs> kind of to other people is, like, yeah. identified as punk. That's right. You know? And For so, sure. So, just thinking about that with Pogo and also thinking about that as an extension mm -hmm. with Dag Nasty. Yeah. You know? For sure. So. Uh, yeah. I think there's definitely... And, and if you look at Dag Nasty, too, even beyond Wig Out, like, the album after that field day... You know, that was a very polarizing album. For, like, they went a little bit more mainstream. You know, they moved to California, and they weren't on Discord anymore. And, you know, they had all the bleach blonde hair and the long hair. And and uh, it's it's a more versatile rock record almost, you know. But I'm, I'm a diehard day, early day. I love Field Day, the album. Um, and actually saw the band Field Day just recently, too. And they were they were amazing. That's that's a side combo. But yeah, um, yeah. I, I love Field Day as well. But, yeah, mm -hmm. I mean... Um, it's a very polarizing album because it wasn't punk. You know what I mean? To a lot yeah. of people. It's, it's a, a great thing about kind of any music from that time frame. So, uh, I think field day was 88, I believe. Yeah. Something like it's that. It's funny how quick these records came. Yes. But they're, they're such different doc in a way, such different documents. I mean, very different. I think if like Dave Smalley was singing on wig out, it would be like, can I say too? Mm -hmm. But you know, with Peter coming in, like, it makes it feel like a different record and they definitely 100%. take a little bit more chances than they did yes. on can i say yeah for sure you know i feel like with dave now i don't and i'm pretty sure that dave didn't write any of those lyrics because you know the album was recorded with sean brown before dave was even in the mm -hmm. band you know dave was the second singer but i feel like can i say lyrically while obviously extremely personal and and a lot of people today would call it original emo it's it's almost anthemic you know what I mean? It's like declarations, you know, which is synonymous with straight edge or hardcore. You know what I'm saying? And then when you get into wig out, when you get with Peter Cordner on vocals, 
and this is something that that kind of tilts my scales being a, a little bit larger fan of wig out over can i say is peter did write the majority of the lyrics and so it becomes personal it's more introverted and you can go oh i can relate to that does that make sense yeah i i totally can <laughs> see that and i think what's interesting about well actually i wasn't completely sure if uh if Peter wrote the lyrics to wig out, but <clears throat> I was doing a little research on daghouse.com. Yep. Love it. And it, yeah, <laughs> and it really feels like, I mean, it, it just, it kind of explains that he did because there's yeah. certain stories where it says like, Oh, we went to this, you know, this guy's party. Like we went to Danko's. Yeah. 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 And the other people in the band didn't know. So even just little things yeah. like that, I'm like, Oh, so he did because I had always thought that it was kind of like, you know, it, it's kind of known as like Brian Baker's baby. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And so it was kind of like, wouldn't have been surprised. I think it just in my head, I was like, oh, Brian wrote the lyrics. Mm -hmm. Same. You know? Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, I just I just recently listened to a podcast interview with Peter Cortner, like just like a week or two ago. And he, he talked about all of that. And a lot of it was very eye opening. You know, he said, it, you know, like Brian might say, well, here's here's the guitar, chorus on guitar. And I've got this one line that I like. And so he would sometimes like feed him like three or four words, say, mm -hmm. see what you can bounce off of that. And then Peter would write the whole song around, you know, like that kind of thing, you know? Mm, so I thought that was, a, interesting. Yeah. you know what I mean? So in a way, Brian, he planted the seed lyrically, but Peter, for the most part, other than I think one song wrote all the lyrics. Yeah. I was also kind of thinking about, cause I feel like it's hard to talk about this record without kind of comparing. Can I say hundred percent? like it's always the comparison. And I feel yeah, like sure. lately I've been leaning toward wig out because I, like I already said, I feel like it takes more chances. And yes. also I'm th kind of thinking it's like, I kind of burned myself out on, can I say like, For I feel sure. like it kind of does <clears throat> kind of one trick in a way. And yeah. it sounds like demeaning in a sense, but cause it's like, I love that record. It's no, like if someone saying. asked me on any given day, what's my favorite yes. record. It's really hard to say, but lately it's been wig out. Like 100%. Firm. Sure. You know? No, and I and I agree and understand with everything you're saying. It's not disparaging at all. Um, yeah. It's, it's, it's kind of like what I said earlier. I mean, can I say is a fast, immediate, hardcore punk record with anthemic lyrics and drive and determination and inspiration. And then you get into wig out and it's, it's just a little bit more fleshed out. There's more there's more room to breathe and, and ups and downs and ebbs and flows throughout the whole album, you know? Yeah. I, I think it's also, I just appreciate those kind of swings. Like when I'm thinking of even like, there's like one specific TSOL record that I mentioned a lot. It's like <clears throat> they have uh like change today. Mm -hmm. Like it's uh, just those kind of eras of bands before they kind of went on to the next thing, you know, are just so interesting. You know, it's like, like TSOL was kind of more OC punk type yep. stuff. And then they kind of went goth, but then that kind of led them to be like a hair band essentially. Yeah, right. Yeah. For you know, sure. and it's like, but that in between, <clears throat> you know, that thing where it's like, we know we want to change, but we're not exactly sure where. That's right. So they're going to kind of push against their conventions. And for I feel sure. like Wig Out is definitely that. And like Field Day is kind of the next step. And I think they take even further swings, but. <laughs> there are swings that don't always land i feel right. like on field day to me yeah. you know there's like the the song on field day that's like about um you know i found like uh his shoes under your bed or something yeah. like that and then See, like, I'm into ambulance it. song i'm into yeah. it dude. <laughs> yeah and then kind of like blue solos and things like that i'm into it 
you know, I appreciate that kind of like swinging because I think without those type of records, field day included, then the sound wouldn't evolve. Right, and sure. It makes me feel like, like when, let's say like I'm the first person in like a high school art class to get a, a picture drawn. Right. And then the teacher's like, oh, that's nice. And then essentially everyone comes over to your desk and is like, oh, I now know what to do. Yeah, you know, and right. so it's like, then in then in hindsight, they might make better drawings based right, on yours, sure. but they wouldn't have done it to begin with without your document. That's right. And so that's what like wig out and well field day even more so feels sure. like is like you can say words like it's uneven, mm-hmm. you know, but like <clears throat> you wouldn't know until you try. Yeah. And it tries a lot, you know, field yeah. day tries a lot. It does. And also to its in its defense, it's like a 16, 17 song album. So yeah. even if you were to trim those five kind of odd moments, it's still a strong 11, 12 song album. Yeah, you know? easily. I mean, yeah. And there's yeah, songs yeah. to me on Field Day that sound like they could have been in session with Wig Out. You know, Matt and Mrs. Tuma and Trouble Is. Like those songs to me are almost synonymous with the feel of Wig Out. And that's why I think I love Field Day so much as well. Yeah. You know? Well, what's interesting about wig out of Danko's is i mean it's a 28 minute long record like yeah for not, sure if you're not counting like the kind of like if you look on streaming now they have like the other versions of yeah. the songs and stuff but like if you take the record as it was originally released it's mm-hmm. 28 minutes that's right and i believe like field day is like probably in 40 something you know easily which what isn't that abnormal i mean 28 minutes is a fairly short record but, yeah for sure but in no way does this feel it feels like this is complete work you know i agree like, man i can't think of anything that i would cut i feel like i you know it's like you would want to say when i move but i think I, that's one of the better songs i'm on into the it. record i yeah. love it man and i love the transition of it i feel like one, one of my favorite things to do with my own band i don't know how you are is when you get mixes or masters back and then you start to play with the uh track listing or the track order to make it a, a complete album you know, and there's always the logic of like, well, what songs go together, you know, chord wise and transition wise, but is there a theme, you know, do you want to have a down section in the middle of the album and then bring it back up, you know, and make it exciting. And so that's how I feel about Wig Out as an album. And with songs like When I Move or Crucial Three at the end there, like it's moody, it creates a mood, you know what I mean? So there's there's ebb and flow, there's movement. Um, and that's, I personally, I love that, you know, and that's what makes yeah. it the album exciting. Yeah, I love the idea, too, of, like, kind of feeling like it's built for vinyl. Yeah. You know, like, it's, like, to end your A-side, but then to kick the B-side in with Simple Minds. Dude, like, you incredible. You know, such a banger. Yes. You know, it's, like, when you flip, when you've done the work of flipping the record, it's, like, mm-hmm. a reward, you know? For you sure. You vibe out at the end of side A and then kind of pick it back up. And then it yeah. kind of does it on the other thing and then flip it again and just start the record again. Like, yeah, for sure. No, yeah. I, I think that, yeah, you're exactly right. It, it, it's a perfect A and B side, you know, yeah. as far as that goes. I think also, like, comparing the two vocalists, I feel like, it kind of been saying this a lot with other things, like musically, it's just even as a singer, I feel like Peter is uh, taking more chances, you know? Or it's yeah. like, or another way to say it is <clears throat> kind of like when you think of two people that it's like, 
I don't know. I always use Johnny Cash as an example. It's like, it always feels like he's like trying, he's working at it. Yeah. You know? Right. Like Peter feels like he's got to kind of work for it a little bit more for sure. than Dave Smalley. So it's like, there's more personality and character there. Yeah. Then I feel like Dave Smalley does in all of his bands, to be yeah. honest. It's kind of like, to me, I mean, Dave Smalley, if we're, if we're talking just straight up technically, he's technically a better singer. I mean, everybody knows his bio. He has the high school chorus background. I mean, he's he knows how to sing and project his voice and, and sing properly. Whereas Pete will be the first one to tell you he's not a singer, really, you know, but he he loves to sing and he loves to be in that position to write lyrics and, 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 and communicate with people. So I agree with what you're saying. It's almost like, you know, as a drummer, you know, when I'm watching a band, a young band, and say the drummer I'm watching is brand new, like they've been playing like six months, you know, and they're just not very good. And they're, I feel like sometimes drummers that don't know what they're doing are the ones that come up with the most creative beats. Because yeah. a, a trained drummer would go, oh, that's that's an unnatural beat. They're doing that wrong. But it's their their brain is thinking about it differently. You know what I'm saying? And they're not coming from like a trained uh, perspective. So it, to use an analogy there, that's kind of how I feel how Peter is, is like, you know, he's He's having, he's being forced to be challenged, obviously as the new singer of Dagnasty, but also challenged because he's now not the vocalist that Dave Smalley is known for at the time. You know what I mean? And yeah. so, and, and he's got this in, insanely incredible uh, guitarist writing these, these songs, you know? So he's, he definitely had to step up and I, and I think, I think it shows, I mean, the melodies are great. The lyrics are insane. It's perfect. Do you think it says anything about us to pick Peter Cortner as the favorite singer? Like, I've had this conversation so many times <laughs> in 35 years, you know what I mean? And yeah, I don't know, man. I mean, it really <laughs> just boils down to the classic, like, I just love Dagnasty, period. Um, but yes, my to tilt the scales, you know what I mean? But I don't, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if it says anything about us or if it's a personality type. Um, I don't even know if it's a preference. It's just uh, just my ears. There's just something about internally when, you know, viscerally when I'm listening and and, and just the, the tone of his voice. I don't know. I don't know what it is, really. It's just yeah. uh, it's more of an instinct to say, oh, I like that more than it is a, a judgment call of like, well, this is better than that because they're both amazing. Yeah. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, and we have Ian had the conversation since it doesn't really apply to Wegata Denko's. It's like then comparing Sean. Yeah, oh yeah. For <laughs> sure. But where where I feel like where I go with like where I think about how Sean fits in is kind of how I think about and uh, I mean maybe I'll get hate mail over this. I never really preferred like Keith Morris era Black Flag because I, hear you. I think he does better work in Circle Jerks. Of course. And so in a, in the same sense, I feel like it's worked to Sean's advantage because I think Swizz is a better band for him. Right. For sure. You know? Yeah. And it's like, yeah, if all of that didn't happen, we wouldn't have Swizz. Yeah. And so it's, it's good. <laughs> yeah. I never was a huge fan of Sean Brown's vocals. So I liked Swizz. I liked Sweet Belly Freak Down. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, it wasn't until gosh, five, six, seven years ago when his current band, which is basically Swizz, uh, Red Hair. I don't know if mm -hmm. you've heard Red Hair or not. Yeah, great and, band. And, oh, my God. I mean, and and I had heard through connections that he really worked on his vocal, like really worked hard on it. And I was like, whoa, that, that first album, 
I just, oh my gosh. And then of course, when Dagnasty reformed with him, I actually love it. That seven inch they put out yeah, it's on like cold it, heart. Yeah. Oh my yeah. God, dude, it's so badass. Yeah. It's so badass. But when I go back and I listen to the early demos or the, the dag with Sean CD or LP, it's fun. You know, it's like listening yeah. to any alternate versions of demos and I love all that stuff. Um, but I, I don't, I personally, it's, it's not my preference. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It makes me think of, there's like the descendants <laughs> demos that have like Chad Price singing. You right. Know, all yeah. Of, I think everything sucks. Yeah. And it's like, it's a great document to have kind of like, yeah. you know, the 1982 demos of Black Flag. Yeah, sure. You know, it's like, but you know, I, I don't know if it's because we're accustomed to a certain thing, but sure. you know, so maybe it's just like. You're probably it's an almost a nostalgia factor. I think that's a lot of it too. I think that's a lot of it because even to go back to the, um, the the interview I heard with Peter Kortner and they were asking him like, you know, what do you think of the different versions? And he actually said he was a big fan. He saw Dag Nasty with Sean Brown when they originally were together. And he said that to him, that was Dag Nasty. Like he, you know, so when Dave came in, he was like, Oh, that's a really good replacement. But it wasn't like this elevated thing for him. You know what I mean? So yeah. I, found, I found that really interesting. Um, but yeah, like Dag Nasty now, like I, I know they play shows and tour, of course, pandemic or whatever, not too much. But I would 100% go see Dag Nasty right now with Sean Brown and love it. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it's it's <laughs> wild that it's like, you know, we didn't have Dag Nasty for so long. And they kind of did those reunions and then it's like, oh, they're back. And yeah. then, then now you essentially have two versions of Dag Nasty, you know, that's right. Field Day and Dag Nasty. But, you know, I haven't been able to see. You said you saw Field Day. I did just a few. That that was the weekend I got COVID. Okay. <laughs> that was my first show out in almost two years. Yeah. I freaking got COVID. I don't know if I got it at that show because I had been out that weekend. But I just liked it. That that's how I know when the show was because three days later I was sick as a dog. Yeah, my my wife is actually recovering from. She's kind of on the other end of it, but you know Great, it good. lingers. You know because she went to see Jawbreaker. So there you go. Did she get it at Jawbreaker? Or did she get? Yeah, it, right. You know. Who knows, yeah, well, there man. was that that time frame. Um, it was actually well before March. I just think back of like it was like last year. You know, sure. we all got vaccinated, or maybe even when we got boosted, and we're like, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then like. I don't know. I think that's when Delta started, but that's right. We we all remember this was only a you know, a mere <laughs> but year yeah, ago. No, I saw Field Day a couple months ago, and they were fantastic. I mean, yeah. the 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 stage presence and enthusiasm alone was worth the price of admission. You know what I mean? Let alone how amazing they were. They really were great. They have a fantastic guitarist. Their drummer's excellent. The set list is great, and they're and they're writing new music, so it's about one third new music. And then they play a nice mix of Can I Say and Wig Out and one or two songs from the Field Day album. Um, yeah. So it's cool, yeah. man. They were great. I, I mean, I, I 100% recommend going to see them. Yeah. And there's so much fun. And they hang out afterwards and talk to everybody and take pictures and sign things. And they're great. Yeah. And I saw like pictures of them and, you know, uh, maybe seems rude, but it seems like they've held up well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They look yeah. great, man. I mean, yeah. the energy, like I said, man, they, they just, it was the enthusiasm alone. It was just awesome, man. And yeah, they, they look great. Peter sounded great. He's a great front man. He hasn't lost to anything, you know, of course he's not rolling around on the floor and stuff like in the old videos, you know, but, um, yeah. So, they're, so they're I guess because of like when you got into it, you were getting into it still, 
after the fact, really. Yeah, just a little bit. You know what I mean? Because like I said, you know, Wig Out came out in what, 87? Yeah, 87. Yeah. yeah. And that's, I, I heard it after that. I definitely wasn't at the store like picking up because I'm not even sure when I first heard of Dag Nasty. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. I just know that I, I, I fell hard though, man, like immediately, just immediately with Can I Say and Wig Out. Just like, yeah. wow, this is my band. You know? Yeah, I, I can never get a sense like how much overall they toured, you know? Because I think they, they had did a couple tours, man. Yeah, because it's like when you look at their history, it's like counted as, you know, 85, 86, and then 87, 88. You know, yeah. so they had like a little little break and then picked it back up. Yeah. And then 92, but anything after 88 were just like records. I don't believe they play. Yeah. They don't, they didn't really play until 2012, the reunion, and That's then right. 2015. And still sporadic with that. Yeah. You know, so it's like you could, if you didn't see them by 88. That's right. You just didn't see them. That's right. And I'll tell you a funny story. And this is how naive I was getting into punk rock as a teenager in the 80s. I I understood the concept of DIY and tape trading and not being on a label. And You know what I'm saying? So like I had homemade cassettes and stuff, seven seconds and just all this stuff and that were being given to me by friends and this and that but it took me about a year or two to understand like oh these this is more than just music you can listen to you you can go see these people you know okay and the funny story that i'll that i'll tell naively is uh, i was in high school i think i was a junior in high school so this was like 88 maybe and i'm wearing a homemade seven seconds t-shirt that i made with a stencil and you know what i mean like i'm just I'm, i'm sitting in class and this guy next to me goes, oh, dude, did you go see him last night? And I said, wow. what do you t- what do you mean? He's like, oh, they played at whatever this abandoned gas station in Bradenton or like an hour south of here. And I just remember thinking, I don't understand what he's talking. That doesn't make any sense. What do you mean? Did I see them? Like, you know what I mean? Like it, it I thought it was this network of tape trading and zines i had no idea that you could go to these things i mean i was only like 16 you know what i mean yeah and so very quickly i started diving more into it and meeting new people and and finally actually going to shows and seeing things so i never i just missed you know descendants and dag nasty and those bands by like six months eight months just because of my own naivety you know what i mean then did you get to see because i guess I'm trying to think when like seven seconds put out like praise, you the praise know. EP. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure the year. My, the first time I saw them was on the ourselves tour. So I think that was 88. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. That was one of my first like bigger punk shows. Yeah. You know, it's also funny to think <laughs> like how, when you're a kid, it's like when I remember getting into things, it feels like it's so long of a time. Right. But sure. then when I look back, I'm like, oh, I this is like, I I listened to whatever it was for like, it felt like years straight. And mm-hmm. then you look back on it and it's like two months. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> for sure. It's such an interesting thing because even when I look at like when they were active, how long they were active, it's like, you know, I'm like, what? Yeah. <laughs> like, how quick. did they do this much in this period of time? I mean, maybe I'm just like looking at it as like, <clears throat> I'm looking at it through my own lenses. Yeah. Cause it's like, I'm like, I don't even know. I'm, I can't even really comprehend like putting out a ye- record every year. Yeah. Anymore. Right. Sure. Like, it's like, it takes my band like four years to put yeah. out a new record. 
you know, and so I'm like, how how did you do four? It's just essentially four records in four years. I think about yeah. that. I think about that a lot with like major bands, like classic rock bands, how mm-hmm. we read or we, we Wikipedia or when VH1 behind the music was a thing, you know, and they would say like, oh, and, you know, this period, you know, uh, the band was experimenting with this sound and then they would do this. And then you look on paper and you go, well, that was only five months after their last album. How did they, yeah. how did they go from being this to that? You know what I mean? Like, not to go too far out of the conversation, but take a band like Credence Clearwater Revival, you know, classic rock band, songs still on the radio to this day in commercials. They put out six or seven albums. Dude, they were only together for three years. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's mind blowing, dude. That's yeah. how, what? That's insane. But then you got somebody like Bowie who, you know, one, one album, he's got long hair and a kimono. And then six months later, he's Ziggy Stardust. And you go, yeah. oh, well, he was really getting into this stuff. Well, when was he getting into that? How did he have time to get into that? That was six months later, you know, stuff moved so fast then. So I completely, not to derail your thought, <laughs> but I, I completely agree with what you're saying. Like, it's interesting to look back and, and see how condensed things really were when when it felt like it was such a long time, or at least you read about it as a long time, and it just it's not at all. You know? Yeah, I, and even like thinking about like what ten years is and like a difference now, and this is probably a much headier conversation that goes way too far away from Dagnasty. I'm like, <laughs> as a society, has like culture stopped shifting as quick, or am I just really old? You know, it's like I don't like. Can you I see think... it when you're in it and you're young and you can see the shifts because like. To think of like Revolution Summer ending and then essentially a next thing. And then also then like basically almost a year later, it's like the youth crew movement kind of yeah, sure. starts. And I'm like, what are we talking about? Because it's like over 10 years of, you know, I can't tell a difference. I'm thinking about the present. Yeah, know? sure. Well, yeah. it's funny. Like when I was a teenager and I was into those things. It was even lore back then. Like, dude, Revolution <laughs> Summer. Oh, man, these emo bands. Oh, Minor Threat. Dude, in 1986, I mean, Minor Threat, they might have just broken up. You yeah. know what I mean? Because they put out that, they got back together and did that last 7-inch. I can't remember exactly when the Salad Day 7-inch came out. But looking back on it, it was it was already lore, but it was really only two or three years. You know what I mean? So now we look back on it at 35, 40 years or whatever. We go, oh, my God, that's insane. Dude, it was that way 30 years ago. You know what I mean? So to me, it's almost like, I don't know. I can't answer your question, really. You know, 10 <laughs> years, like in 2000, I used to look at 1990 as, oh, man, heyday and man, back in the heyday, you know. And then now I look back, I uh, 2012, first of all, was there anything special? <laughs> you know, I look back and I go so what 10 years ago like you know the last 20 years have just been this giant blend you know what i mean yeah it's harder it's harder for me to pinpoint i think that might be what you were saying about getting older you know because to somebody who's 20 25 those are their formative years so they're Mm -hmm. gonna go oh man way back in 2017 i was way into this you know what i mean and it's like we've already I mean, we're still learning and, and, and music and you might have you, you might get into something different that you were never into or explore different genres. But our formative years as who we are as people, we're, we're pretty much who we are. Yeah. You know what I mean? So um, 
I don't know. I don't know if that, that that maybe I started my own conversation. I don't know if that even answers your question or not, or comments on your 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 thought there or not. But I agree. No, with what yeah, you're yeah, it's 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 like even when I if I see like a younger person be like, music hit different in 2015, and I'm yeah. like, did it? I don't really feel like it's any different than now. I agree. You know, <laughs> I agree. You know, but I I think maybe yeah, like you said, maybe it takes being under 22. Yeah, for <laughs> to sure. really feel those shifts. Well, even you like know? you know, with with Pogo, it's like. You know, our, our our last album came out in two thousand September two thousand eighteen, mm-hmm. and that was our first album in twenty years. Yeah. You know, and and we touted that for two years. You know, pre COVID, and now here we are about to put out our third album in November, and to think, oh my God, that's a that's a four year gap. We're already yeah. four years from our quote unquote reunion album or whatever you want to call it. You know what I mean? It doesn't feel like four years. Maybe that's COVID, the pandemic, whatever, but. I don't know, man. Time as I get older, time is a very, very strange. Uh, I don't know, man. It it uh, it goes by fast. That's for damn sure. Yeah, yeah. I'm 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 definitely feeling that. Like kind of being at the same kind of period between <laughs> records. Like mm-hmm. it's like how where is it? I mean, I know where it's gone in the sense. I guess it's like we lost two years, but yes. it's like even without it, I feel. I, I guess I don't know. We don't know what it'd be without it. That's but, right. You know, that's right. It's yeah. Time time moves different. Right? Yeah. <laughs> For sure, dude. But yeah, uh, another. Uh, so kind of thinking about the song when I move. Yeah. Um, have you heard Los Vampiros? Well, I have the CD. Yes. I'm okay. With it. Yep. Okay, so I guess for anyone listening that doesn't know, uh, Peter Cortner and I believe kind of everyone minus Brian Baker had I'm a side sure project. I'm pretty sure the three of them, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah Roger, and... Roger, or uh, I don't know if it's Doug Carrion or Roger Marbury, but it's definitely Colin Sears on drums. Yeah, and on credited on We Got It Tinkos, it's you know Peter Cortner, Brian Baker, Doug Carrion, and Colin Sears. Right. Um, and I know Colin played on Los Vampiros, but I guess outside of that. Yeah. So there's that other version of When I Move on Los Vampiros. It's like a heavy version. Yeah. So it's interesting to have the thing, but it's kind of back to that conversation. I feel like, because my bandmate Scott showed that to me like years ago, and I was mm-hmm. like, cool. You know, and he's like, this is the version. Yeah. You know, but I'm like, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I like the acoustic yeah. version. You know, it's, sure. I think that kind of goes back to, you know, kind of like you're conditioned in a way. It's like yeah. nostalgia. It's like, I can't not associate the acoustic version with it, but it, it is neat to have. For sure. You know, for sure. Yeah. So, but uh, with Doug, though, kind of going into the history of like doggy style and stuff yeah. like that and him playing with Descendants. Donkey Style's always been like an interesting band to yeah, me. Yeah, for sure. And I have one of their records and I bought it. And once again, I showed that friend Scott that I was mentioned. And he was like, but you know, there was like two different Doggy Styles. Yeah, right. You know, and I still can't like parse which one is which. <laughs> I'm know? not too well versed in it either. <laughs> I, to yeah. me, it's one of those, ba- it's one of those um, side notes of trivia. You know what I mean? Mm, yeah, yeah. Kind of like, uh, you know, uh, Lyle Pressler from Minor Threat was briefly in Sam Hain. You know what I yeah. mean? I don't know which album he played on because I'm not a Sam Hain fan, but I know that trivia. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So that's kind of how I look at do- uh, Doggy Style or Doggy Rock or whatever yeah. versions of the band there were, uh, or the Meat Men. You know what I mean? Like it was yeah, Tesco V, and then yeah. a, and then a, just a litany of, of a, a list of just who knows and uh, and that's how I kind of look at it. Like it's trivia. You know what I mean? It's trivia. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and but what's funny about like the doggy style thing is then how that so 
the vocalist of well one of the doggy styles i guess the one that doug was associated mm-hmm. with um his name his name is daddy x uh, that's okay. what he goes by now so he is the uh one of the dudes in cottonmouth kings oh. who uh who doug carry on it plays guitar on a few of those okay. records and him and daddy x have like collaborated on a lot of stuff it's wow, just yeah. not really stuff that we sure. would listen to but stuff that probably has made them very good careers yeah you know? sure yeah yeah, yeah so yeah. it is really interesting like kind of how far away that is from yeah anything but just to think of his career now he's back in field day right you know it's like so you go from descendants dag nasty and then you kind of go on like a like 10 or 15 year side trip or maybe he's still collaborating with daddy x and yeah. you get and the cottonmouth kings and all of those sure. other, that that whole scene because there's so much of that that even ties into like kind of uniform choice yeah and stuff because like his uh like pat dubar went on to he kind of had like a cottonmouth kings type band oh that he i know did. all about it yeah i can't so remember the those name kind right of now threads. i've been on the i've gone down the rabbit hole yeah, it's not it's not like American head charge. I, I don't even want to like look it up. But I yeah. uh since I work in uh with like posters and stuff yeah. for uh living, I've seen the posters and I'm like, I know what this is and yeah. if I explain to anyone here they yeah. would just be like, I'm speaking a different language. That's like it's right. so deep, it's yeah. not even something worth <laughs> mentioning sure. in the trivia that we were talking about. That's right. You know. But the other part of trivia that I will say is Pat Dubar's brother owns affliction. Have huh. you heard that one? Mm-mm. Yeah, like basically, um, so it's New Wind, right? Um, so basically they had the screen print, screen print and they could do all the, you know, a lot of the early hardcore shirts that had so many colors, like cheaper gotcha. because they own yeah. a screen printing company. And they used that screen printing company to start Affliction. Gotcha. So, so yeah, I know we're not talking about Dag Nasty anymore, but it's just funny where kind of your <laughs> life leads you. You know, yeah, but you know what? It, it here's the deal. This conversation totally makes sense because it, it's it's a it's a uh, logistical tra- trajectory because Dag Nasty, as we said early on, was Brian Baker with this revolving door of of of, uh, of contributors. You know what I'm saying? That is true. Yeah. So, so now we've we've just thinking, kind of yeah. we've just kind of expanded that spider web of where these contributors what they went on to do. So to me, it makes total sense. It's part of the conversation. Well, no. then, if we're going back to that, because you mentioned Lionel Pressler. Yeah. Um, have you heard Second Wind? No, I have not. So, basically, there's a band that kind of does... It's like it's like Minor Threat uh, 2.0. Okay. And it's like... I don't even know if it's anyone from Minor Threat, but it's like... What I remember hearing was like it was one of their roadies or something. I don't mm. even know what that would really mean <laughs> in okay, punk. Yeah. You know, a guy that hung out with them. Um, but Second Wind is like just when you hear and it's not on streaming or anything hmm. but every once in a while someone will be like have you heard second wind i'm like oh that's right i'll have to look you know? it up so yeah you'll be like this is straight up like it's minor threat mixed with like faith gotcha you know, oh kind of yeah stuff. you're speaking so, my language yeah so i think you'll <laughs> like it so anyone that likes what i just said go yeah. check out second wind it's yeah i believe it's on like youtube i'll, you I'll look into i'll look into it for sure so yeah uh but so once again, with another kind of uh, the whole junkyard thing. So yeah, essentially, sure. <laughs> junkyard ended up being really why Dag Nasty broke up. There was right. on daghouse.com. They yeah. talk about they're like we were hanging out. Someone in the band just wanted to play pool all the time. Yeah, I'm not sure, sure who it was. Um, and then like Brian Baker walked to a Seven Eleven, 
saw a guy from Junkyard there, and he was like, hey, our lead guitarist quit. Do you want to play in Junkyard? We need a new lead guitarist. And he was like, what's it sound like? And he's like, I don't know, like ACDC mixed with Motorhead. Yeah, sure. And he's like, sign me up. So in like two weeks' time, he's in Junkyard. Right. And why that gets interesting is then when you get to Four on the Floor, the reunion Dagnasty record from 1992, he's not credited on it because he couldn't be credited because he was still legally... Yeah. In Junkyard. Da- you know? Dale something is his fake name. I think they used Dale, Dale Nixon. Nixon. Dale Nixon. Yeah, yeah that's yeah, it. The kinda, yeah, so yeah. the Black Flag bass player kind of thing. Oh, there but, you go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Well, in Junkyard, I believe, was one or two guys from Big Boys. Yes, the, the it was. Yeah, that's so, the dude he ran into. Yeah, there you go. And it is interesting. I mean, people could, It's if anyone cared about really probably both of our lives in this capacity, maybe yeah. they will. <laughs> but I'm like, I think about those things that kind of lead you from you're in like punk band or whatever, and then where you go with your yeah. life. That isn't punk things. There was yeah. an urban legend amongst our friends in the early 90s when Junkyard came to town and played... Tampa in the 80s and 90s was very violent. Big skinhead scene, extremely violent, good at shows. Um, it, it, by 93, 4, it had dissipated. But um, so Junkyard was playing in town. And the story goes that these two guys who were notorious for just starting trouble went to the Junkyard show with the sole purpose of and succeeding in beating up Brian Baker for being a sellout and playing with Junkyard. Now, whether anybody anybody I know can corroborate that story or not, I don't know. But it was told over and over again for many years. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> as a full adult, obviously, yeah. it, you know. But as kind of thinking of the time, it makes me laugh because of yes, course. I could see people doing that. Yeah, that 100%. was a thing people would do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's yeah. But it's it's also strange because recently I saw that uh, like either they reformed or junkyard's still a band yeah i i don't doubt it <laughs> and i'm like one is the dude from big boys still in the band yeah right like uh, brian baker's not in the band no <laughs> or it's like is he legally still <laughs> he's like you know yeah uh, but i'm like you know i know you got to keep being a band and i i don't even know if i've spent any time really listening to junkyard so i can't say one way or the other if it's something that i w- want to listen to it, yeah, yeah, it's just hard rock. Yeah. So, ah, oh, man. Uh, so I guess then going from there. Uh, <laughs> wow. So, okay. So thinking about even Tampa at that time frame, uh, did that ever, growing up in Tampa, did that ever lead you to getting into like death metal or anything like that since it was so present? Absolutely not. Okay. And that's, and it's funny, you know, uh, like we talked about at the very beginning, opening uh, or owning my own record store. I still get people from time to time that come in. They f- they have flown into Tampa. All right, where are the death metal records? And I'm like, they're nowhere. Like, they're really hard to find because everybody holds on to them. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah, it obviously was cer- certainly very, very popular. Uh, and it's what we're known for. You know what I mean? Uh, obituary, death, cannibal corpse, uh, you know, morbid angel. The list goes on and on. And... I just never got into it. And that goes back to what I was talking about at the beginning. Like, I liked melody. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, even even when I did dabble in metal, I liked melody. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. like, while I can appreciate the musicianship and the intensity of, of 
of death metal and grindcore and all that kind of stuff. I, I just, I never really got into it. You know what I mean? I never really yeah. got into it. Um, it was just too, um, too chaotic for me, really. You know what I mean? In some yeah. cases. And I know a lot of those bands are a little bit more on the mid-tempo side and they just get associated as death metal. But um, no, it just wasn't my thing. You know. Yeah. I also, I think about just that person that would fly to Tampa. It's like, what do you think you're going to find that hasn't been combed over immensely because yeah. it is from Tampa? Well, you know? <laughs> people sometimes come and they take photos of like, you know, Morris Sound Studios, the old yeah. building, because that's where all those records were recorded. Or they'll go to Brandon, which is a suburb of Tampa, where a lot of those bands came out of. You know what I mean? And they'll just, you know, oh, here's the original. They'll snap photos of like landmarks and stuff like that. You know, I get it. It's it's cool, you know, but. Yeah. So, OK. So then when getting into Dag Nasty and then kind of like starting your own bands. Right. Like, is. Was there like a step from listening to that? Was it like straight into Pogo? I mean, because we're talking about a few years. Like, did you have bands before that? Point oh, for that, sure. Yeah. That might have been more influenced. Like, I guess what oh, I'm really yes. kind of awkwardly 100%. asking is what was that kind of transition like for you from oh, being. Oh, 100%. So, Pogo yeah. started in, in 1994. Yeah. So, when I started getting into punk as a teenager, I mean, we're talking six, seven years. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I didn't start playing music until late 1990 early 91 i just i bought a drum set i was the only one that could clap my hands in time you know like i'll do it you know what i mean and six months later we're playing shows and stuff um and so yeah my very first band and we were pretty well received and played some really great shows we opened for green day we opened for plaid retina we played with filth um and it was kind of more on the melodic side you know because again i just we liked that uh but then after that from like 92 to 94 for two years i was in a band called balance um which was basically um x slap of reality i don't know if you've heard that name before i've heard the name slap of reality was an awesome melodic hardcore band if you like bands like sam i am and Sensefield and that kind of thing man they're just right right there they put out a bunch of seven inches they put out an album on cargo in the early 90s and I mean, they toured. They were they were like the Tampa, the guys really doing it from Tampa as far as like punk and hardcore. Uh, and, and so um, that band broke up and started a new band called Balance. It was the singer and guitarist. And so I was in Balance for two years. And we, um, I mean, I we dove in, man. I mean, my first tour was with Balance. We we did five weeks in Europe in 1993. I mean, that yeah. was my first tour ever. Was getting on a yeah. plane and flying over. You know, I played 35 shows in Europe. It was insane. Um, and so, yeah, the, that band in particular was very, very of the ilk of the the melodic hardcore and the post-hardcore that was happening at the time. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, uh, what, let's see, you know, like um, there was a, a lesser known melodic hardcore band called Apology. It's mm-hmm. uh, coincidentally, it's Brian Baker's brother's band. So oh, like, wow. so like, the apology uh verbal assault trial uh yeah stuff like that very very influential on balance you know the, the band balance and um so we were kind of in that van melodic type uh stuff like that so yes 100 percent for me at least there was a, an obvious like oh i get to play this kind of music that i love you know what i mean 
Uh, and then um, when that band, it disbanded almost like it's a perfect segue into, into Pogo. They needed a drummer. They were starting up and I was like, yeah, I'll do it. You know, I was originally just a fill in. I played two shows and then they were auditioning people. And I just said, can I just stay in the band? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I stayed in the band and here I am. Was there like a time frame when uh, Balance and Pogo were like existing at the same time? Maybe a month or two. Okay. And it was really, I mean, Balance was winding down. You know what I mean? Like it was winding down. So it was perfect timing for me. And and also too, um, I've always, um, I know nowadays, you know, we have to, um, we, we, we speak more um, inclusively. We don't use terms like female fronted rock and stuff like that. So I'm yeah. just speaking retroactively of the time. I was way into female vocals. I liked bands with women singers and girl singers. You know what I mean? I loved, uh, I even loved like the Sugar Cubes. And there's a band from England called The Primitives, which is one of my favorite bands. I love Velocity Girl, all mm -hmm. that stuff. I just couldn't get enough of it. And uh, so when Pogo asked me to join or to fill in and play, I was like, oh, this is 100%. Like, you know, I, you know, you transition. It's like we talked about earlier. You get into different things. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? I still loved punk. I still loved hardcore but i was also getting into indie rock you know i loved yellow tango i just that kind of stuff you know what i mean afghan wigs i was way into um but i did love anything with the female voice it just was so appealing to me and to this day i'm still very drawn to bands with uh, female or female identifying singers yeah i what i also think is interesting like if we bring it kind of back to Dagnasi for a second mm -hmm. is like even when you think about i don't know minor threat it's like so many of the bands were like oh we want to be you too yeah <laughs> you know sure. so it's like they already were like mm -hmm. trying to move past it what's funny is like you still feel like in a way that they're like well we got to put a keep a foot in yeah for sure you know and so i think it's yeah. like it's funny that it's funny that like whenever you make the leap to like indie rock, you know, it's in my in my head. It's yeah. like, oh, I left something behind. Yeah. Right. You know, but it's like that's really what all those people kind of wanted to do. Anyways, yeah. they wanted to kind of make that leap. And yeah, in well, it's like, sense, like you, you mentioned the Praise EP with seven seconds. I mean, it's it's Kevin seconds was unabashedly a huge fan of you, too. You yeah. know, and they had that middle period of the praise ourselves, um, the um Soul Force Revolution, even New Wind mm -hmm. has very some of the chiming guitar and just you know what I'm saying. Um, and 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 Peter Cortner of Dagnasty was is a big fan of Echo and the Bunnymen. So it's like you can't fault these guys or people for being into other things other than just what they're doing or the scene they come from. You know yeah. what I mean? So you know, as you get older, you hear it and you go, "Oh, that's cool," you know, or I can relate to that. I've done that. You know, yeah, it's like we we do it with Pogo. You know what I mean? Like, oh man, we really love the Beths. You know, from New Zealand. I don't know if you're familiar with them. And yeah. so, like, even on the new album, you know, we got a song, and oh, that's got like a Beths feel to it. That's so cool. You know what I mean? Like, it's we all do it. We all put in influences of stuff we're into, whether it's you know outside of our wheelhouse or or whatever. You know? Yeah. What I think is uh, interesting too, like like someone like Lou Barlow. It's like kind of indie rock is like taken he's you know that's where he kind of lives but it's right. like if you get that guy in front of him you start talking about like early discord and, yes you know that you know he 
we'll talk to you forever. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. You know, and uh, so it's like all of those kind of indie rock people were punks. And, all and of them. it's like an obvious thing to state, but it's like when you talk to them about like, you know, void faith mm-hmm. split, you know, they, they will tell you everything they know. Yeah. And it's like the light comes on. For sure. Know? Yeah, Jay so, Maskus, yeah. uh, Lou, ba- I mean uh, uh, Thurston Moore from Sonic Youth. But do they all talk about Minor Threat and and Husker Du and all these punk bands and stuff like that? You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, it's crazy. I, I love the era of kind of indie rock that you feel like you could have those conversations with those people about yeah. you know like what hardcore bands they liked. Even though it's like I don't have to write it, but I know that this was such an important thing. That's right. And you know, it's like I I don't have to write it or i can't write it but i know i love it right yeah for sure so i love those kind of like transitions you know or Mm -hmm. the bands that they do next but it's like somehow you feel like they love hardcore or Mm -hmm. something oh yeah for sure so yeah then i guess going back to pogo uh so Susie wasn't originally in pogo correct i mean i i mean that kind of history that early history so what was that kind of story like kind of going so, from yeah so beginning. when we started we had a singer her name was kobe and she was just a singer front person she didn't play an instrument or anything like that and so um we did three seven inches three three seven inches with her so we did, we put out music with her and we toured yeah um we did two tours with her and then uh and it was more on the melodic side like i said we were all heavily into like velocity girl and 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 those kind of bands you know what i mean um i i guess then we you know what we would have called like the girly bands you know what i mean of course that's a yeah. derog- derogatory term now and i understand that i again i'm just trying to put a time and place to the, yeah, and the time, yeah. yeah um and it was very melodic um and you know she was a great front person she would d- dance around and jump around and act goofy and 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 smart as a whip as far as just communicating with the with the uh people at the shows and then she quit slash left the band um because she was very young i mean she was still in high school you know i was the oldest i was 22 we were all two years apart so we were 16 18 20 and 22 okay and um so she was getting into her senior year of high school and thinking about colleges and i think just the stress of the band doing more was really getting to her you know Mm -hmm. and so we wanted to continue and uh, Susie was in another local band at the time, um, that we all loved. And, um, they had put out a seven inch uh, on the same label, New Granada, our label, and they were called Stitch and they were more like a pop punk band, really mm-hmm. fast. If you can imagine Susie doing that. And, um, she played guitar and sang, and then the bass player also, um, sang. So they were, had co lead vocals. And, um, we just asked her cause she played guitar. We knew we wanted to add a second guitar. And she immediately said yes. And the original plan was, you know, we would keep some of the songs and kind of transition. But once we started rehearsing with Susie, we quickly realized with the second guitar, it was more, you know, our our kind of catchphrase at the time was more guitar, less dancing. You know what I mean? Like, so it was more super chunk. It was more yellow tango. It was more that than the, the kind of poppy fun stuff. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And yeah. then that's not to say that the the the, the Kobe stuff didn't rock too. It did. Um, so, uh, yeah, so Kobe was in the band about a year and a half. And then Susie joined and we um, immediately put out a seven inch on a German label called Heartfelt. 
and then uh, we did the split seven inch with braid yeah and then uh, we were asked to contribute a song to the very first uh, volume one of the, um, the emo diaries deep film yeah we were the closing track on that and then we recorded an album a full-length album our only album at the time and as was you know vogue with a lot of bands in vogue we broke up before the album came out yeah so uh you know we did we did get back together six months later to play like a final slash cd release show you know uh and it came out on a small label out of florida and we never knew how it did really we never knew because we we weren't we were done yeah so yeah so she she was only Susie was only in the band for a year but we did a lot in that year we did a five-week tour um we put out those two seven inches the comp the album you know so a lot was done in that in that year you mm -hmm. know and it wasn't until it wasn't until like the, uh the myspace era early 2000s when i started seeing people post about pogo where's pogo i love this band da, da, da. i was like oh my gosh so we that's what inspired us to put out um we put out a cd called all along which was like a discography and it was all 18 songs and including the early stuff with kobe Mm -hmm. And um, so that kind of re-sparked some more interest. And, um, you know, we would occasionally, every few years, play like a reunion show in Tampa, you know, just for fun. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, so that that was the original, not to get too far in the history of the band, but that was originally it. it was, you know, Kobe wanted to leave and we needed a singer and wanted a singer. And and uh, we we all agreed. I mean, there was no hunting or searching. We We, we sought out. Susie we like that's who we want to be the new singer of the band you know? yeah did it ever feel like at any point like with bringing Susie in did you did you feel like oh we should change the name or well it? yeah it, it yeah. kind of, for a brief period there was uh a little bit of uh disagreement with our with our original singer because she had originally thought of the name it's a made-up name if you google it I mean we're the only thing that comes up it's a made-up word and um uh, and we were just being assholes, you know what I mean? We joke now and we think, look back and go, we probably should have just changed the name, but we were just so adamant, you know, like we've toured under this name. We've put releases out oh, under oh, this yeah, name, I get it. <laughs> you know, and it was still the three core guys in the band and we still had a girl singer. So there's not too much that's different, you know? And it's like, we could have just changed the name and had a completely different trajectory or the yeah. same or the same one for that matter. You know what I mean? Because, yeah. you know, um, we were just assholes, you know, <laughs> and we're still yeah. friends with Kobe. We still talk to her all the time. And and she's so super supportive of us and excited. And, you know, she's like, I was a kid. I was literally a child arguing with you. You know what I mean? Like, and now she's an attorney, which is great. Oh, wow. one thing we did. I'll jump in. What, what inspired us to get back together permanently in like 2016? Yeah. Um, I said that we occasionally would do these anniversary shows um, on Christmas night. Every year at Christmas night, I put on a show um i've just i've done it for 30 years it's always a great turnout mm -hmm. and you know people are looking for something to do after christmas and coincidentally the very very first pogo seven inch and new granada my label new granada 001 the pogo record came out on christmas 1994 at the christmas night show and so it was like 2014 i think maybe so that would be the 20th anniversary of new granada we said, let's have Pogo play. And then we came up with this idea of what if we had both singers play? Oh, wow. And so 
Kobe would drive over from the other coast and, and rehearse with us. And so we did like a split set. We did like four songs with Susie singing and playing guitar. And then the really cool thing we did is when Kobe came out to do the other four or five songs, Susie stayed and played second guitar and sang backup. So it was all five of us. Oh, wow. And yeah. it was it was really so much fun. I mean, I'm even getting kind of excited talking about it. This is almost a decade ago. Yeah. And that was really when we were like, man, this is awesome. You know, so the original idea with Pogo getting back together was that we would just be this kind of um, whoever's game. You know, Kobe, if you want to come sing or play a show with us, that's how we'll perform. If Susie wants to sing, and play, that's how we'll perform. So it was going to be this kind of open door thing. And Kobe, just with her profession and work and her family and living on the other side of the state, she was like, guys, I, I super appreciate the offer. It's so exciting. But you just go do your thing and be Pogo. Yeah. And so that's when the, the, the core of us with Brad and Matt and Susie got back together. That's funny, though, how much uh, it kind of does mirror like a dag nasty thing, because it does kind of <laughs> feel like it's like, like, it's Holy like shit. if any other people are available <laughs> you know it's like yeah. it would be you know peter are you available you know dude, never <laughs> thought about that holy crap yeah awesome, you know and then kind of like all and things because yeah. you know all has done that you know for uh, sure for sure yeah i i like that story i always kind of wondered uh because a regret that i had with like vinyl i don't even sell that much of vinyl i just keep it i'm just yeah. i hoard everything yeah sure i try but I got a bunch of records from my neighbor. She's since moved, but I still live in this house. And she just gave me so much stuff and I had to like get rid of it. Right. And um, I guess because I thought I could get like a little bit of money from it, I sold my Pogo braid split <laughs> and I regret it so yeah, much. Sure. Like I, I want that. And it's like, why did, I mean, what did, like, I don't know, like, what did I get like five bucks off of yeah, or something? Probably, like it sure. wasn't. You know, I sold kind of a bunch of stuff as like a lot. Yeah. You know, and I don't know. I regret that. Have and, you not found one since? I mean, I could probably look harder, but I haven't yes. kind of. It, it wouldn't be something I think you would just be like, oh, there, there it is. And, you I know, occasionally like, see it come through the store just because we're in Tampa. So the mm -hmm. next time one comes to the store, I'm just going to send it to you. Yeah, I would love that. Because, <laughs> I mean, even the copy that I had, like, was a little bit beat up, you know, right, like sure. this people that you know i think in a sense like uh my neighbor was into stuff like she grew up in florida but like her brother was kind of more into it and then her little collection kind of merged with her brother's collection right and then you know there a lot of it was like pretty scratched up you sure, know kind of like people sure. don't usually put jackets and stuff you know yeah. from owning a record store uh, which we haven't even mentioned the name of Micro Group. Micro Group, uh, <laughs> so, which you've played. You played Micro. Group. I have played. Yeah, you and uh, uh, and your wife's band, All Right, have played there. Yeah, and just kind of like looking and think. I guess thinking about that, you know, kind of like playing music with your wife for so long. It's uh -huh. a, that's also been like a thing I've you know kind of like admired about y'all. Kind of you sure. know, just kind of thinking about because you know there are times especially in the last couple of years and i feel like i always end every spinning out episode this way <laughs> where it's like it's tough to like kind of get the inspiration to like keep going yeah you know? for sure like as a label as like a yeah. person in bands or just like and then to kind of like look at those like touchstones that are out there like you know you still doing new granada and yeah. like you doing pogo it's like you know i'm like well, if Keith's still doing it, <laughs> I appreciate that. No, <laughs> you know? it's, it's, it is, um, 
it it does as as I get older. I mean, Susie and I have had the conversations, like whether whether we're talking about the label or or the band or even the record store. Like, I, I like I said before, I'm almost fifty one. It's like, how much more do I have in me? You know what I mean? And uh, I obviously got a few more years because we just finished this new album. You know what I mean? <laughs> and it's funny, you know, it's coming out on Spartan Records out mm-hmm. of Seattle, which is a great label, and we're really excited about it. And um, it's exciting for me personally because. I'm kind of hands off for the first time in a long time. You know, I'm not the guy making all the calls and the decisions. And I love that about John from Spartan. He's, he, he's so enthusiastic and he's, he's so, um, he gets so excited and into his bands and releases and, and even the ideas just in marketing and you know what I mean? Promoting yourself on social media. It just, even the, the dumb little trivia things, just, it's exciting, you know, cause he's excited. Yeah. And so, um, it kind of goes along with what you're saying as far as like still doing it. We're still doing it. But for the first time in a very long time, I've, I've, we've, we're allowing somebody else to, to take the reins on this one. You know what I mean? And I'm, yeah. I'm very excited about it, to be honest with you. Yeah, I was excited that because uh, I know how it can be, you know, putting out I've put out my own band yeah. so many times, you know, yep. so. Every time I see, you know, you put out, you know, with this new Pogo record, I was like, I'm happy for you because I yeah. know how much work that is of like Thank you. trying to be the person in the band and the label. Yes. And then you're like, am I doing what's best for the label? Am I doing what's best for my band? And it's right. impossible to, you know, split up. It's like, it's for like, sure. if you're like, oh, well, like the band, does the band own my van or do I? That's <laughs> right. Yeah. Those kind of things. You know, so 100%. Yeah, I feel you there. You know? Yeah. It's exciting. I mean, we're totally, we're 100% in the whole thing. And I'm very excited to see what happens, you know? Yeah. He, he's great. Yeah. And I super appreciate you taking the time to talk to me about this. Uh, the record, I guess, won't be out till a little bit later this year. November 4th uh, is the, yeah. is the um, projected street date. Yeah. But I know we'll, uh, from everything gearing up, I know we'll hear bits and pieces of it. Yeah, sure. Time, yeah. So. We're, uh, you know, we, we're, I think our first single or hype track or whatever you want to call it, um we're probably looking at august early august so really just mm. a couple months from now yeah you know what i mean we're really excited about it you know we were in the studio when we did the secret club our first comeback album reunion album and, and when we recorded it in 2017 we did that with jay robbins in baltimore and we did that in five days and then he mixed it afterwards and then with this one we added a few days we were like let's let's add a few days and i'm glad we did because um we really it's it's pogo it sounds like pogo but there's there's some nice layers to it that weren't on previous pogo records and especially in the, the last record you know there's there's cello on several songs uh jay plays hammond organ on several songs mm-hmm. we've got some guest back vocalists you know cool things going on um just stuff like that you know what i mean things that we wouldn't normally um have done in the past that we were just open to um one point like second day of recording jay's like I got a friend of mine who plays pedal steel, mm-hmm. you know, we can just send, he's a professional. Like if we send him a track the next day, he'll, he'll send us like tracks to, to check out like, yeah. So he just ran. How about this song? Great. 24 hours later, we're, we're listening to this guy rip a pedal steel all the way through a two and a half minute song of ours. You know, we're like, that sounds awesome. You know what I mean? Yeah. So we're really yeah. excited that again, it's, it sounds like Pogo. It is Pogo, but there's just some cool layers and, and elements to this new album that we're really excited about. 
I love to hear it. And I can't wait to hear the record. So. Yeah, sure. I appreciate that. Maybe I'll send you a secret download. <laughs> well, I, I'd love that. You know. But thanks for taking the time. For sure. Welcome back. Thanks again to Keith for coming on the pod. Please check out Pogo's upcoming album out later this year on Spartan Records. Also check out Pogo's amazing back catalog. Can't recommend it enough. Once again, I really gotta just say it again. Please go support any of your local abortion funds, abortion access fund. Uh, you know, there are kind of local state chapters, so you can see kind of in your area where they could use your support. And simply just go to the site. It's abortion funds in every state. That's donations for the number four abortion.com. Donations for the number four abortion.com. It can sincerely use your help. It'll give you all the information you need in your area. All right. Next week on the pod, we're talking with Keegan Bradford of Camp Trash about the Wren's 2003 album, The Meadowlands. So more on that. Once again, check out our Patreon. That's patreon.com slash spinningoutpod. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at spinningoutpod. Lastly, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you do that sort of thing. Reviews definitely help. And simply just like tell a friend to listen to the pod. Thanks as always to Sarah Blumenthal for adding the pod and Pretty Maddie for the theme. Okay, see you next week.